This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. This week's Two Bad Hombres episode is brought to you by DC Sports at Lakeside Mall in Sterling Heights, your premier source for authentic sports memorabilia in Metro Detroit and beyond. Please follow DC Sports on Twitter at DC Sports Detroit. Also, make sure to check out their fine website at DetroitCitySports.com. And make sure you remember to go to the autograph signing for Lou Whitaker next Sunday. That is Sunday, June 30th at DC Sports at Lakeside Mall in Sterling Heights. For all of that and more regarding DC Sports and all of its upcoming autograph signings and all of its fine, authentic sports memorabilia, please go to DC Sports' website at DetroitCitySports.com. I was trying to get an idea. I want them dead presidents. I want to pull up. Head spin. Get it, get flat. I got six jobs. I don't get it. Still, still, still not tired on this week's episode of Two Bad Hombres. I am your host, Vito Geronimo Churko, along to my usual psychic and broadcast partner and fun. That is the doc from Doc and Jock, John Charles Macaroon. John, how are you doing? Vito, welcome to the weekend. Looking forward to a great boxing conversation. We got great in-studio guests this week. You're part of a great event that's coming to Metro Detroit. Tell everybody all about it and who's in studio with us this week in Sterling Heights. Well, it's a fight night at the Lexus Velodrome, Saturday, August 10th, 6 to 11 p.m. on Mack Avenue in Detroit. And our two in-studio guests to talk about that and much more are Jonathan Banks and Daquan Marion. Jonathan, currently the lead trainer of Triple G, just a name drop there. That's pretty big, I would say. Also the head trainer for Chances Make Champions Promotions. And then the founder and CEO of Chances Make Champions Promotions, Daquan Marion. You guys are both here and glad to have you both in studio with us this week. How are you guys doing? It's good to be here, man. I'm happy. Um, happy I'm here, and thanks for the invite. It's, um, we're about to have an awesome time for a few minutes. Should be fun, definitely. Taquan, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having us. This will be our first official interview together as partners. So that's that's real big, and thanks again for having us. Well, thank you for doing this. And starting off the media tour in grand fashion, right, via the DSP Network, at Detroit Podcast on Twitter, and, and numerous other entities and outlets. But anyways, Daquan, to start off, where did CMC Promotions and the idea for that come from? CMC Promotions, the idea of it, we were sitting around, um, you know, we had the, the amateur program going, 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 and we had to find an avenue to give the amateur boxers the same platform to be successful, kind of like AAU basketball. So um, we came up with the name Chances Make Champions to give everyone a chance in life to become a champion. We wanted to bring honesty and integrity into the sport. Um, So myself and Jonathan, we uh, put our heads together to come up with a pro-am scheme to give the amateurs the same platform as the professionals and to try to make them champions, not just in boxing, but in the world. So fight night at the Lexus Velodrome now is going to feature professional boxers, <coughs> also amateur boxers. You said 13 total bouts as well? Correct. Okay, so now what kind of guys will you be featuring? Featuring in the main event, it'll be, um, he will be trained by... The, this no, guy right here, huh? Yes, yes, okay, yes, the one and only Jonathan Banks? 
He's uh, ranked number three in the in the Argentina on the top fifty in the world. He's the WBO interim Latino champion. His name is Damian Fernandez, and he'll be um, going against Andre Bird, and that'll be a great ev- great event, um, great match. Um, they'll be going ten rounds. Hopefully, it don't last that long. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you like to accomplish though through this event as well? Which I know is being used to combat human trafficking as well. Correct. Um, this event is being used to bring awareness um, to human trafficking throughout Michigan. And also, it's a launch pad for CMC Promotions um, to show the work that we do in the community with uh, Team Hands On and, and also to, to bring fairness and awareness to the sport of boxing in Detroit. And you're also the founder and CEO of what you just mentioned, Team Hands-On Boxing Gym. And now, Jonathan, for you, training these guys as part of this fight night at the Lexus Velodrome, what will that be like for you, and what are you going to emphasize with these boxers, too? Well, um, it's going to be a typical night for me. Um, I don't have to do nothing different than what I've been doing for the last couple years. So um, what the goal is to see to it that the guys that's performing with me is exciting and get the crowd into it because the crowd likes exciting fights. I don't want to see no no flat for the guy standing there just slugging it out with a guy who got no who have no business in the ring with him. So the the goal is to get competitive matchups and to just get the crowd excited about the fights. What's your training regiment like? And could John and I hang in there maybe in training? With well, you, I mean, how hard, how rigorous is it? It all depends on your attitude. Okay. You know, you look, you look like you're a fighter, so you. Might I'm a, well, I'm a born that. fighter, obviously. I don't know about John right. over here. John but... look like he a little more laid back. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, That's he, what it is. He might be the ones that you know what, coach. Uh, call me tomorrow. So <laughs> he might be that type of guy, but who knows? So you learned from Emmanuel Stewart. You got trained yourself from him. You learned your training regimen. I know for the most part from him as well. Then obviously, what did you exactly <clears throat> learn from him? That has helped mold you as a trainer. Um, well, one of the it's, it's so many of them. I can't name just one, but a lot of the biggest life lessons I I, I went through um, is because how my teacher taught me how to deal with certain things in life. But he used boxing as a stage to do it on. And everything that you learn in the sport, good or bad. You could take it and use in life, and it could help you get through a lot of things. We had a lot of guys down at the gym that will be mentally, they'd be physically looking like looking awesome, but mentally they'd be scarred, they'd be wounded. And through conversation and through the sport and through the different workouts, they were able to overcome a lot of different adversities. And when people see fighters, they just see fighters, but. When I see fighters, also see people that you don't know what they're going through mentally or, or the reason they want to fight. You got a guy who wanted to fight just because someone stole his bicycle, you know, and he turns out to be Muhammad Ali. Look at all of the things. It's because of him all the heavyweights today are able to make the money that they're able to make, you know. Um, you got another guy who wanted to fight just to get out of juvenile early. You know, and uh, and to, just to learn something because he looked at it as something exciting, as Mike Tyson. So through the sport of boxing, have helped mold a lot of legends and a lot of people who went on to do better things. Like one guy who started boxing, Nelson Mandela. 
Nelson Mandela started, he started off being the boxer. But he took that formula and look what look at the legacy that he's made through that, you know. So it's just so many different things that the sport can offer you through life and allow you to be a better person than what you was before you even started it. Being mentally strong is so key, isn't it, in boxing? And Daquan, can you reflect upon that even more yourself and what you've learned about that through your just experience with boxing? Definitely. Um with the program that, that we run on East 7 Mile, we have a kid that lost both parents since he's been involved with the program. And um, he just graduated from high school this month, and that was a huge accomplishment for not just him but for the team. So definitely what um, Jonathan is saying about the discipline and, and the getting strong will from the sport is, is definitely a life-changing sport. What have you seen from boxers who are from the city of Detroit when it comes to that mental edge? Typically, I know it's hard to say for every single boxer you've seen and had the chance to work with, both you guys, but how would you describe the prototypical Detroit boxer, I guess, at least? Well, arrogant. Yeah? Um, In a good way or negative? uh, I would say both. Okay. Um, It's always good to have a a level of arrogance. Um. But you know, with Detroit is Detroit, so so you have that that mentality. But um, I think that understanding business is is different than arrogance. You know, when when it's time to to do business, sometimes you have to take a step back and let the business people do business and let the the athlete do it. You know, become an athlete. Um, I would let Jonathan answer that question because he's actually dealing with Detroit fighters. And we have this conversation daily, you know. So, so a good um, conversation to have here on the airwaves as well at the same time. And absolutely. Jonathan, what do you have to say about that? The Detroit boxer and what he's like and how about the, the arrogance factor? I guess the good and bad side of that too. Now, uh, when Jonathan is explaining, he's explaining from a worldwide standpoint from dealing with fighters from across the country. As far as the Detroit fighters, the attitude, it just, first of all, um, I'm not going to, put everybody in the same, all Detroit fighters in the same batch because you got different levels. Yeah, and we're not bashing them. Yeah. So that's not... Right, that's no, you're not trying to do right, that. Right, no, right. and I you got gotcha. you. You got different levels. Yep. You know, I've seen, um, I've seen some kids come to the gym and um, the first thing they wanted to do was get in the ring and start fighting. So we could talk about that type of Detroit attitude. And we can also talk about the, the high class levels Detroit attitudes. I don't have an issue... With the with the with the edges these fighters have because whatever edges they have, especially the ones that's in a, that's, that's that's going for world titles like a Tony Harrison type of guy, mm-hmm. his attitude allow him to push past certain boundaries that people didn't think he can get past. And that being said, and I think everybody's, for me, the majority of P- Detroit's people attitudes come from. Um, uh, Thomas Hitman Hearns, because the attitude that he had when he walked, when he stepped into the ring, you know, is either you go get me or I'm going to get you. That's usually the mentality a lot of these guys have, but a lot of these guys have the same mentality in the streets as they have in the ring. And sometimes that does give you the edge as long as you keep it in the ring and not go back to the streets, you know. But I don't have, like I said, I don't have an issue 
with these different type of fighters having these different edges, these different attitudes, because your attitude kind of reflects of what where you come from. And if you got a mental edge to say, you know what, there's nothing you can do tonight to beat me. You have to kill me to beat me in here tonight. A lot of times that gives the fighter the certain edge that they need to get over the hump or to get, or to win that world title or to win that fight. So as a pro boxer yourself, because you were, you were 20-0 and 0 to start off your career. What kind of boxer were you like? And you brought up resembling the ways of Thomas Hitman Hearns, learning from him, molding yourself after him. Did you yourself inside of the ring? Well, I'm not going to say I, I didn't mold myself after him, but Thomas Hearns was an example to everybody in Detroit. Like, look, this was the first guy that um, they had, what, five different titles in, in different weight classes? Like, he was the first guy who reached a legendary status in the city of Detroit. So he was a huge example for, for a lot of young fighters coming up, same as Muhammad Ali was, same as Mike Tyson was a big example for a lot of um, short heavyweights. Everybody thought short heavyweights couldn't do nothing in the sport. When Tyson came, he proved everybody wrong. You know, when when it was Floyd Patterson, uh, once he reached the heavyweight title, Muhammad Ali took him out. Well, no, it was it wasn't a lot of short heavyweights at the time. Once the Floyd Pattersons and Joe Frazier's walked away, and then Mike Tyson came out out of nowhere, and he did something people didn't think could happen. He was he still to this day the youngest heavyweight champion in the history of the sport. So it's a lot of things that that we've taken from different fighters, but not so much mold our careers after, but taking little things from 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 um, certain fighters. So you've trained, you know, there's legendary boxers, Triple G, Vladimir Klitschko, Cecilia Brekas. So you've trained three legendary world champion boxers right there yourself already, Jonathan, throughout your career. How is that similar and different from training the likes of the individuals you deal with that team hands-on boxing gym? Well, um, only difference is they come with a high, they come with a higher status and a bigger platform. That's the only difference. A lot of these kids come down to the gym. All they doing is all they want to do is work. They just want to get in shape and work and they want to fight. And that's what these fighters that I, the professional fighters I have have in common. They want to work. They ready to work, they're ready to go. If I show up. If I show up late, there's a problem. Even with the young kids, I show up late, there's a problem. That's why I try to be, I don't try to be on time. I try to be early for everything, you know, because that's the presence that I'm trying to set. Even with um, the professional fighters, I try to be early for everything. I'd rather wait on them than them wait on me. That's the, that's just the mindset of it. Now, Daquan, how big is Team Hands-On Boxing Gym for the city of Detroit? It would be a mecca. It would be a mecca. When you have a, a trainer that's dedicated, like Jonathan Banks, and I don't call him a trainer, I call him a professor because he's a teacher. And uh, he also teaches the sport with discipline. Um, I think it's endless opportunities for the program. I think that the program is not only a boxing program, it's a stage where they can get discipline, where they can understand how to grow and to be young men and women. And I just think that it's a launch pad for the community. And then Jonathan Emmanuel Stewart taught you that discipline too, right? He kind of instilled that inside of you. And can you reflect upon that about who truly taught you that along with Emmanuel, if there was somebody else in your life too growing up? Well, um, I hats off to my mother. Like my, 
My mother, I would tell anybody. I used to. I was telling my nieces and nephews last night. I said, the granny y'all know right now is not the same granny that we grew up with. I said, she ran this house like a warden. <laughs> like, she ran it like, like it was, everybody had to be in line, everything. Like, I told her, when we go to the store, remember how y'all spread out when y'all go to the store? They weren't like that with us. We walked in a, in a straight line behind her. We couldn't touch nothing. We spoke. We only spoke when we were spoken to. I said, that's how, that's how she ran. She ran a tight ship, so... We didn't have we didn't have no room for air because she's a um I'm what number I don't know five or six my mother had ten children you know so she had to be extra hard on us that's what she told us when they got older said so she had to do what she did because she needed she wanted every last one of us to be disciplined and be able to um we have to um we have to hear different things and we have to respond to them so she didn't want to say if y'all don't respond to me. How do I expect y'all go out in the world and respond to adults, um, like teachers and police, stuff like that? So the discipline came from of a child. But going into the sport of boxing, when I, even when I, first, when I first met Emmanuel Stewart, he wanted to know who was the 147-pounder who won the 96 Golden Gloves. And that's how I was able to be introduced to him. But going through life with him and traveling the world with him and seeing how he would prepare with the fighters, he we in camp with fighter preparing for stuff. He's preparing for stuff. It's just seeing that that steady, steady discipline that he have to prepare for something. I'm like, dude, this dude is a legend. He don't have to do this, but he do, mm-hmm. and he and he keep it consistent in in every way. And that that was a big influence for me. And I was just ask, asking him different questions about different things, and like, why would you do this to this guy? He said, well, wait till I pull it all together. You'll see. Then I'll explain everything to you. And I waited. I waited. And once everything came together, and I'm like, you know what? He don't have to explain it to me. Now I see why he went from from step A to B to C to D. I, I see why he did that. So the importance of me, for me, to pass, it, pass the things on that not only that I've learned in the sport, that I was taught in the sport, is just I think – Every generation should pass the positive things they they learned from a previous generation and continue going on. And I think that's how that's how we as the ones that's here now able to I guess you could say pay homage to the ones who who taught us and they're no longer here by continuing the things that you were taught and basically pay it forward. Speaking of Emmanuel, what's his lasting legacy, you think? His lasting legacy? You got whatever highest regards you can give. I mean, you could some people look at him as a hero. Some people look at him as for me, he's the he's a, like a forever a champion because the things that he that he's accomplished in the sport. And I and I say this once and I say it again, if had he did it what he did in any other city. Once he passed, it would have been a statue of him, hands down. Detroit, to me, this is my opinion, is the only city that wait till it's too late to honor their champions and their and their legends. Because the legends that we talk about, like if it wasn't for Emmanuel Stewart, they wouldn't be to the level that they were that they were at. I mean, look at I'm thankful what they did with Joe Lewis, but it's just a fist downtown. And look, all he was the first. 
He was the first heavyweight champion to be to be a two-time heavyweight champion. That's number one. And still to this day, no one ever um had the 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 reign that he had up until now, now by by I guess a couple, maybe a couple, a month or two, Vladimir Klitschko was able to match his record. But Look how long that took. That was like how long ago Joe Lewis, you know what I'm saying, was fighting. You know, so it's just that's that's a that's a, a downside right there. But um as you've seen the different boxing gyms and like what what myself and Team Hands On is doing, that's come that legacy of what we're doing come from that legacy. Cause had he not did what he did. We wouldn't even have the space to continue to do this sport. That's how significant of an individual that he that he that he was, and that's how high of accomplishments that he accomplished. So, Daquan, through Team Hands On, Emmanuel's legacy is being passed on. It sounds like. Can you reflect upon that a little bit more as well? Well, basically, he gave the blueprint. You know, when you when you follow his 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 diagram, it, it, it's the blueprint. You know, you start with the amateur program, build the amateur program, and pros will follow. You know, so who else better to teach it than Jonathan Banks? So, Jonathan, can you summarize your boxing career? What was your favorite fight? I don't have a favorite fight, I don't think. I have a fight that... Um, Did you take any fights personally? Anyone ever get in, under your skin with the things that they handled or the way in which they approached the fight or any fight that you really say, okay, I'm glad I got that W? Nah, I don't take that personal. It's all, okay. it's, it's all, it's all business <laughs> mm-hmm. to me. I'm, I'm, I've been one way my whole life. I've been, I'm a laid back individual. So, mm-hmm. I've never let. I, I never. I chose not to ever let no one get under my skin because I felt that if they see they got to me, then now they got something they know they can control me, and I don't want nobody to have that control over me. But far as the one of the most significant fights for me was um, when I got the call when Emmanuel was sick in the hospital. I was in, I was pulling up in Detroit at the gym, and I got the call from Vladimir Klitschko say he needs a coach. I said okay. He said okay. Let me rephrase that. I need you to be my coach. And at this time, I've never trained nobody before, so that was my that was the orange star. And I said okay. So training him, and then. When I got, when I hung up with him, my promoter called and said, um, "You got a fight coming up. The um, fight that you wanted with, with Mitchell went through. They approved it. I said, okay. So I'm training Vladimir Klitschko for the very first time, the top heavyweight in the world. He fought November 10th in Germany, and I fought November 17th in Atlanta, in Atlanta City, New Jersey. You know, so that right there was the hardest fight. I didn't fall. I didn't sleep." At night, I just passed out because my day started at five thirty. I would do my workout, I would do my run, then I would um, go to the gym. I would meet my coach in the gym, and then once we finished, about ten minutes later, I got enough time to run to my room, change my shirt, come back, and then Vladimir's in the gym. And once I finish him, then I'm able to eat. Then I go take an hour nap, get up, and go back to the gym to do my work. In enough time, so when by the time he get back to the gym, could be doing two a day. So if he doing two a days, I'm doing four days. So that was the hardest thing for me. That and with the pressure of knowing that 
now things turn for the worse. Emmanuel Stewart looks like he's not going to recover from this. And um, now we got to deal. Now, then a couple weeks later, now we have to deal with his passing. But every little ounce of me had to stay had to stay put up somewhere because I, there's no time. There's no room for emotions in the sport. So, therefore, you got to put them all up and you got to accomplish the goal you set as accomplished. So, November 10th, um, Vladimir Klitschko gets the victory. And I fly back. We all fly back to Detroit. For the funeral, and I left the next day after the funeral, going to um, New Jersey for the fight, um, November tenth. And that was for the WBC International Heavyweight Title, right? Yes, and the um, WBO NABO um, Heavyweight Title. Yes. So I think I read as well about this around this time. You said that you slept like a baby. It was that draining of a time in your life, doing yeah. all of that training, Klitschko, preparing for your own fight against right. Seth Mitchell, that you slept like a baby once you hit the pillow yeah, I just every single out. night. I didn't go to sleep. I just passed out every night. It was it was crazy, but that was that, that out of every fight that I've had, that not even the fight, I'm not even talking about the fight, that camp was a was it changed everything. It it changed, rearranged, and made Jonathan Banks, who he is, like basically right now as the adult, as the as the man, facing all this adversity, and being able to um to focus on a common goal, and I think that's um that's my opinion. That's what make myself team hands on and um Mrs. Daquan over here such awesome fit for partnership because that's that's what life is all about overcoming every adversity that comes your way and to still being able to achieve your goal. So it was the most draining portion of your pro boxing career, it sounds like, dealing with that. That was the most draining portion in life, <laughs> period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you got to understand that you're not dealing with just professionals, professionalism. You got to deal with the emotional, the emotions of a having, of either losing somebody or getting ready to lose somebody. You know, so that that right there was an emotion in itself. That right there was hard enough as emotion because I always tell, even the kids at the gym, I always tell anybody I train, like, we have no room for emotions in the sport. You know, so now, me, myself, before I even start teaching anybody that, I had to learn that myself. And before I even learned it, now, once I went through that, then now, even when I teach cats now or kids now, I let them know when I say there's no room for emotions in this, it's because something I already been through. And I understand how emotions can cloud different judgments, get in your way, make you upset. I 100% understand that. So when I break it down to them and let them know that before you walk in the gym, all these emotions you got to leave out here because at the end of the day, that's really what matters. It's what you do. And not how you felt. So how do you teach them, though, especially the young guys, to block out those emotions? Well, you got to be repetitive. You got to be, oh, you got to do it over and over again. You got to let them know that basically what you're going through, somebody else is going through a little bit worse. And you got to let them know that the problems you have, you could take it out by working out. But that the, the emotion of it, the, the part where you want to say forget everything of it, you got to leave that outside because there's no room for that. So when did each of you get your starts in boxing, respectively? 
Daquan, I'll go with you first. How um, did you get involved and when did you get your start? I got my start in boxing in 2012 uh, with Team Hands On, and it grew now to 2019 with uh, CMC Promotions and Team Hands On. How about for you? Your start, how you got it? My start came in 96. That's when I started boxing. Um, that's when I started. And I've been in it ever since. That was everything for me. I, man, when I, when I finally got in, because I was begging every single day. Years and years and years I was begging. Begging the box, begging the box. So once I got in, once they let me, actually took me to the gym, I got in the gym, I ain't been out of it since. So fight night at the Lexus Velodrome. Can you talk about for me, Daquan, the partnership it has with the Salvation Army and what that exactly entails? Um, it details awareness. Um, we're bringing awareness to um, a, a serious cause here in Michigan, and Salvation Army is giving us a platform to share with them in doing this, and we're doing it in the sport of boxing to show a way of beating it. And uh, hopefully that... Um, this will be an eye-opener for Michigan, um, for boxing, and also human trafficking. So what does this fight night mean for the city of Detroit as well? Um, we, we plan to beat a situation. We plan to um, bring awareness, bring boxing back to the city of Detroit, um, give the, the amateurs a platform as well as the professionals and bring an event to the city, um, partner with one of the largest um, nonprofit organizations in Michigan. And then how about the plan for this event moving forward as well in future years? Do you guys have a long-term plan with this fight night and what you want to do with it as well moving forward, Daquan? Yes, it will be an annual event. Also, um, every year would add a different element as a parade, um, a golf outing, and different things of that nature. So from 2019 launching pad, to eternity, I guess. There we go. It should be a fun night, right? right. Saturday, August 10th, at the Lexus Velodrome on Mac Avenue in Detroit. And by the way, here's some uh, social media plugs really quick. For CMC Promotions on Facebook, it's CMC Boxing Promotions. On Instagram, also CMC Boxing Promotions. On Twitter, CMC Boxing Promo. Then for Team Hands On, on Instagram, at Team Hands On. On Facebook, also at Team Hands On. And on Twitter, same old. Same old. Team hands-on for that. And the tickets are currently on sale at Eventbrite. And the event, once again, is Fight Night at the Velodrome officially for the Eventbrite ticket page. So get your tickets now because it's going to be a big event. They're going to sell out, I think. So it's going to be a big-time event with Jonathan Banks, Daquan Marion, Katrina Turnbow, all of CMC Promotions. And guys, you're doing some great stuff. Congratulations on this so far and best of luck as well moving forward. Thanks, Vito. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. 